What's up, what's up, what's up, Food Truck family? It's Joshua Black, your man, with a brand new episode of the Food Truck Journey podcast. Yo, I'm really excited about this episode. But first, let me say this. Yes, I still have my audio track toy that I'm playing with, and that's why we played that introduction. And, I, you know, because I have all these sound effects. So I'm like, I'm having fun with my sound effects. That's hand clapping. All right, so I'm still playing with my machine. But anyway, let's get right into this week's episode. This week, I had the opportunity to interview, interview, interview John O. Now, he has a food truck in L.A., which is called The Fix. Now, the thing that's kind of unique about his situation that there is a brick and mortar, but John doesn't own the brick and water, brick and water, brick and mortar but he is affiliated with the brick and mortar. So this conversation is all about the food truck. John's been doing this for, I think it's about three years. We talk about everything from being in LA and the special challenges that are specific to LA. We even talk about food cost, promotion and marketing. We talk about menu engineering. We talk about variety of items on your menu like a little bit of everything i think you're going to find this conversation very interesting and informative so sit back relax and let's listen to this conversation but first how about another sound effect thanks for having me it's uh you know nice and early here we uh, as food truck guys we all wake up early yeah so i was up and up and about and glad to be here Good, good, good. Okay, so as I mentioned, you are in um, Los Angeles, you said, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay, now I'm over here on the East Coast now. I know it's a little bit different in Los Angeles or over there on the West than it is on the East as far as food trucks are concerned. So first I want to dig into that because I know we have listeners all over the place. So I want to dig into some of the differences. From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, John, um, that a lot of times in LA, uh, food tr- things are curated, meaning you guys have bookers who book events or book spots or, and it's not like that here in, here in Philly or on the, on the East Coast. We kind of like roam around, get in where we fit in. How does that work? And how's that working now during this time? Is it still that situation where things are highly curated, where there's bookers who, who book food trucks? How is that now during these times? Sure. That's actually a pretty good question. Okay. So the bookers kind of started rising up um, maybe, I don't know, three, maybe like five, five years into the whole food truck thing. So we, you know, food trucks have been here for over a decade. The very first gourmet truck was a truck called Kogi, uh, K-O-G-I. Yes. And they were famous for their uh, Korean barbecue tacos. And the guy who ran or started Kogi was this guy, Roy Choi. And, you know, he launched a bunch of, um, you know, the whole food truck, gourmet food truck revolution, right? So basically, um, you know, uh, trucks were doing really good when they first started. It was probably like you, you see on the East Coast. It was kind of like it was a new thing. People were like, this is great. About five years into it, you had a bunch of food trucks popping up. And a lot of food trucks got lazy with their marketing. The reason Kogi did so well is because they discovered Twitter early on. Mm-hmm. And they would post where they're going to be. And you would see literally 
lines of people just crowding in an area where the announcer were going to be. Um, but, you know, trucks got lazy. And so bookers started kind of like coming to the situation and, to, and inserting themselves as middlemen. Now, not all bookers are, are good. Not all bookers are bad. The good bookers are the ones the, that will curate the trucks and say, we're going to have, you know, trucks three days a week. And we're going to have different types of cuisines uh, and no, nothing overlapping. They'll understand what the client wants and they'll make adjustments. That's a handful of bookers in LA. Um, the rest of the bookers are just, I'll be just to be honest, they're just leeches. They just kind of stick themselves in between and they contact all the office buildings and uh, for when we have, we're doing lunches and every office building, I understand why they want to use bookers because if you're an office building manager, this is not your main gig. You just want to get a, a truck there to go feed your employees and your, your tenants. They don't want to deal with 30 different trucks, right? Because you might need 30 trucks for to have a, a, you know, a good rotation of three different ones a week. Because if you have just the same three trucks every week, people are going to get sick of it. So you, 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 you just tap into a bunch of trucks. So you might need to talk to 30 different trucks. They would rather talk to one person. And that person takes care of all the insurance, the, the COIs, the certificates of insurance, all the paperwork, all the legal stuff, uh, and, then, and then handles that. And, they, and then that booker makes their money. Now, I have no problem with the bookers making money, but um, the bookers got to do their job. And most of the time, the bookers get to, to a point where they control, you know, uh, a dozen, 20 different properties. And they're booking multiple times a week, and they're charging 50 bucks a spot. So imagine, let's say I'm running 10. 10 spots, 50 bucks a week, that's 500 bucks a week, three times a week, 1500 bucks a week, guys making six grand a month in pure profit. Right. Really. Right. I mean, all he's doing is just basically sending out an email saying whatever. Right? And so, yeah, the bookers have been both the ad value in some sense, if they do their job and they curate but a lot of them, when you start doing like 10, a dozen, 20 properties, you're not visiting your properties. You're not going out there on a daily basis. You're not, following up you're just collecting money most of these guys are just lazy and that that's my honest opinion and i've been very vocal about it here in los angeles and you know, there are many bookers who i don't work with and there's only a handful of bookers i do work with um interesting so that's that's the difference so you know um you know what's happened so all the good spots are basically run by bookers uh because the bookers have kind of inserted themselves now also there have been a few trucks like mine that have kind of become de facto bookers like i don't book and charge money but like there are certain spots where I become kind of a trusted party where the contact person will call me and say, Hey, we're looking for a taco truck and there's a million taco trucks in LA. So which one do you recommend? Or we're looking for an Asian fusion truck or we're looking for a Mediterranean truck or a, a lobster roll truck. And they would call me and say, well, who do you recommend? So I'll give him a short list and say, this is the best guy. This is the guy who's going to show up. He's not going to screw around. His product is great. His service is great. Um, and you know, the good bookers will understand that. Right. And so I've been, you know, a lot of trucks like me have become de facto bookers for as we become trusted. Right. But I'm not interested in taking money from trucks. That's not right. You know, I mean, I know how thin the margins can be. So, um, yeah. So I don't know if I answered your, that's a long answer. No, I don't no, know if no, we quite hit upon all the things you wanted to talk about. No, no, that's, 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 that's good. Cause I really wanted to, um, because, uh, and you see in some of the forums, people ask general questions and sometimes those questions, should be specific to where they are like you know if you ask a question about oh, l and i well you can't just put a question out there without being specific to your area these are the things that that are important so 
I know that you're out there and I want to make sure that we understand what you are up against and what you are up against isn't for everybody, but it is specific to your area. Oh, sure. So that's what I want sure. to make sure that and, we you know, establish first. Yeah, and I, and I think the other thing is that not that Los Angeles is like the be all and end all, certainly not. Listen, one of the things that I will say about it is it's very competitive here, very hard to make a buck here. Um, but what I will say about Los Angeles is it will give you guys a template for maybe seeing where your market may, may go five or 10 years down the line. And, and hopefully you can learn from our mistakes because, you know, there's a lot of stuff we do wrong here, in my opinion, um, that you can learn from our mistakes and then change that on your market. Like, you know, you, you see how bookers have ruined it for us, a lot of it, mm -hmm. and, and, and taking a lot of money out of our pockets and trucks, um, you know, Trucks should should band together and fight back, but they don't. And because, you know, we're too busy with our own things. And so what ends up happening is, uh, you know, I, I would love to see other markets like your market avoid that. So if you do have bookers, you hold them accountable and say, I'll be glad to pay you 10% after the event is over if I cover my costs, okay, and I hit a minimum because you did your job and you made sure this thing was worth booking, then I'll pay you your money after the fact. You know, that's fine. I think that's that's value added. But when a booker says... I'm booking three months out and I want the year 50 bucks up front um, wow. to hold the spot for you. And it's just like, you're like, I got to pay you three months in advance cash flow up front for a spot that I don't know how it's going to do. And, you know, by the way, the, the information you give me is just some average sales, but no data points. No, it was this date, this cuisine or this truck name did this much where I can like go and verify it. Cause you know, we're all friends or competitors. Sure. If I really want to go find out, what a spot is doing, I just pick up the phone and say, Hey, I heard you guys were at this spot. Was it, you know, is it, did you really do this amount of money? And, you know, there are some trucks obviously here that also lie about their numbers. And so you, you, you kind of, you kind of know who to deal with and who not to, but I would love for Los Angeles to be a, uh, a case study for the rest of the country so that you guys can like avoid the pitfalls that we have here. I would love for to hear that every other market said, you know, we're not going to let bookers take over here. We're going to run this stuff ourselves and we're not going to let this, this shit happen here. I mean, pardon my French. I mean, I just no, don't, no, I no, really don't right. want, I just don't want that to happen. I think the, the food tree is hard enough as it is right yes. now. We don't need someone who's not adding value to just try to take our money, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, um, that's a great leeway into my next question. Um, because I think there are a lot, lot more things in common with food truckers all around the country than there is not in common. Um, more specifically, like relying on a single source. Like I know in LA, you say bookers are a big part of it. Um, here uh, in what, on the East Coast, a lot of time it's events, going to events, this event, sure. finding an event, finding a festival, finding a fair. That is like, that is what a lot of food truckers on the East Coast rely on. Um, not so much New York, that's a whole different animal. But um, these events and these affairs, and you know, right now we don't have that. So as I get my own food truck up and running, I'm trying to think of how can I not be reliant on or put all my eggs in one basket? Like what else can I do? What sure. other marketing can I, can I utilize delivery? Do, should I really try to find just one spot to stay in? Um, uh, can I use some of the, like the third, the, the, um, like the, uh, what is it? Um, not the Instacarts, but you know, like some the of the DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats. DoorDash and the Uber Eats. Should I need, should I incorporate those? Should I create my own so I can be self-reliant? So in the event that an epidemic, uh, a pandemic comes again, or there's no <laughs> more events or whatever, 
I'm self-reliant. I don't need that middleman or that event to make things happen. So my question to you, John, is what are you doing now since there are the office buildings are probably closed down for lunch or people are working from home? How are you pivoting with like these things that have come that that have come up and changed the dynamic of change what's normal? So it's like a new normal. So what is your new normal? Sure. Um, well, our original, you know, our bread and butter in the past used to be lunches at office buildings. And of course, that's dead now because everyone's zooming in and no one's going to the offices and the companies have realized that we don't need to pay a lot of money for this office space. And we don't really also know whether it's going to be safe to come back. So I don't expect lunches to come back anytime soon. So that has died. And we pivoted from that to going to dinners and residences. Now, specifically, you know, obviously apartment buildings are a place you can go. Um, you might have to deal with some bookers there, but you know, there's always apartment buildings that don't have bookers and you've got to seek those ones out. But also, um, uh, residences and HOAs. So I live in Bel Air, which is, you know, a nice, very wealthy enclave, but I, I'm a renter here. I'm not, I don't own a house, but, um, but uh, I, I, I remember I approached them because, you know, Bel Air, obviously for me, I thought about it as it's a target market where they don't really, there's no real food that's around here unless they want to drive in their car down to Westwood village, which is just, you know, about a mile, a couple miles away for, to go pick up food. Um, but Westwood is, is, is uh, UCLA students. And so, you know, like most college towns, you're not talking about fine dining. So when you're talking about a, uh, a market like Bel Air, where they have lots and lots of money, I figured bringing gourmet trucks, they've never had this before. So I was able to convince the housing association because they have a separate parking lot saying like, can we use your parking lot so that we can park our truck there away from everybody's big mansion? Cause nobody wants a, a truck in front of their mansion. But if I put it in the, in, in the, the, uh, the association parking lot, can we advertise it? So I started advertising on Nextdoor. So, and I started uh, posting there. I uh, obviously social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and we pivoted to that. And so we actually uh, survived very, very well for the first four to five months setting up there on weekends. And uh, so every Saturday and Sunday, we would bring in our truck and then another truck. Uh, it was like two trucks every weekend and we would feed the community. And, uh, and, uh, you know, they were happy because, you know, again, they had never really known much about food trucks. You know, when you're, when you're living in a $10 million house, you're not probably eating a lot of food trucks, right? You probably have your own <laughs> private chef and that sort of stuff. But, you know, these guys loved it. This is a new thing for them. They were like excited. Oh my God, there's a truck that does lobster rolls. There's a truck that does gourmet burgers. And so they loved it. It was a great thing. And so that's, that's been one thing that we did. Um, uh, and, and, and you can pivot towards just residences. Um, that also is a good way to build catering. Like, you know, look, I don't think events are going to come back anytime soon. Right. But people who are wealthy are going to want to throw parties and then, and, and food trucks are great for them because it's like, you can just drive right up. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to set up inside their house. You don't have to like, pop, just like you drive up, you serve, you take everything away and you leave. Right. And they're really happy with that. And they, and because I happen to be a resident here, they, they love, you know, the idea of supporting me. So I, I, I believe that, you know, uh, having, you know, when, when things start opening up a little bit more and they have, you know, parties and that sort of stuff, we're going to get hired for that. And that's been something that's been, that's another kind of like a, a seed I planted so that we can do something to, to make up for all the events that we're going to lose or that, we, that won't come back for a while. Um, 
the other thing that has helped is that, you know, obviously as time went on, we also found that a lot of the places we were going to, they started burning out on trucks, not because the trucks were like the same trucks over and over again. Although that was a factor too, because more than half the trucks in, in LA have gone out of business. Um, oh, wow. But um, it's not just that, but uh, it's also the fact that, you know, the stimulus ended, the un extra unemployment ended, so no extra stimulus, people were running out of money. So what I did to pivot for that is I said, look, we have a lot of people who are standing in food pantry lines for the first time in their life. We have a lot of food security in Los Angeles. And we have a demographic that's making lots of money that wants to help, but they don't know how to do it, right? And so I actually raised on GoFundMe about $5,000 in a couple of weeks to feed the food insecure. So I partnered with another business that is much more attuned to that, that, uh, that uh, uh, demographic. They're called Antidote Eats. They were in the LA Times. It's a Black-owned business that was profiled because he opened his truck just before, before COVID. And uh, Anthony Suggs, the owner, and I are friends. So I said, Anthony, listen, I don't know any places that are really food insecure. Do you know? He's like, yeah, there's all over South LA. I know a lot of people. So he hooked me up with some people. And me and Anthony went out and uh, we parked in front of a food pantry twice um, and we gave away free burgers. And we used the money that we crowdfunded to go feed that. Now, obviously I didn't charge my full price. I charge, I think, eight bucks a person for a burger, chips, and a drink, or no, a bottle of water, um, versus my $15 I normally charge. But it was enough to keep my truck in business during that time. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, help the food secure. Like, give guys a free meal and say, here, I know you're standing in the line of the food pantry. We're also going to give you a burger on top of that. You know, and, and you can eat something right now or take it home to your, your kids and your, your family. And so that's another way you can do things. You can crowdfund stuff because there are obviously people, there's a segment of society that is making money. Right. And is doing well. And you can, you can use that to be the perfect foil as a, as a food truck saying, look, you know, help us stay in business and we will help the communities that need food. And so we've done that as well. We also did another crowdfunder, uh, crowdfunding thing earlier on in the pandemic to feed the first responders, raised about $5,000 there as well. So, um, you know, it's just being creative and trying to figure out how we can serve the community uh, and, and figuring out, you know, I, I always sit down and figure out like, well, who needs something and who can give something and how can I get in, you know, involved in this and how can I help? And that's kind of how our food trucks have been surviving. And, you know, obviously now with breweries reopening in California and Los Angeles, that's helped us a lot. The last three weekends have been kind of record weekends, uh, in terms wow. of, well, compared to like, compared to oh, sure. you know, when, the last seven months, but it's been, it's been a very welcome change. And, uh, so that's, you know, some things we've been doing obviously to, to kind of keep in business and maybe things that will can help for other people as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I like the fact that food trucks are, or you guys have found a way to use your food truck to impact the community in a positive way. Yeah, our goal is to make money and to feed people, but when we can connect what we're doing to, to really truly helping people, I think that's, that's amazing. Is that something you think that you will continue um, to do even beyond this? Uh, absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. But yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I think that that's something that um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that, that food insecurity is not going to go away anytime soon. And I didn't want that to become a, uh, I mean, right now, um, I don't have, I, I'm, I'm pretty booked up, but I want to make sure I make that a priority. Like, you know, once a month, at the very least, we, we, we put together a time and say, 
we're going to give away 100, 200 burgers. I mean, it's not a big deal for me to do that. And I have workers who are willing to volunteer their time. And it's just like, you know, it's something we should do to give back to the community. We, we definitely can do that. And there are so many people out there who can give 20 bucks or, or you can even put out a, a, a tip jar or a jar saying like, you know, if you put money in here, this is going to, this money specifically is going to go to pay for people who don't have food, right. Or don't have enough money for it. And it doesn't even have to be something that the food truck itself. Um, I mean, you could, you know, like I said, I mean, you guys can, you can take that money and give it to, you know, uh, the world, world central kitchen, I think is a big one that, that people do. Um, mm -hmm. You can give it to another truck that's doing that. You can pull your resources together. There's a million things you guys can do. We can do with that. Um, and it's something we should be doing. And, and it's, you know, it's obviously it's, um, it's good PR for us and right. it's, and it's great, but more importantly than the PR is just the feeling you get when you see someone smiling because you're giving them something that they need. I mean, to me, that's just, that's worth it. You know, I oh, mean, that's, sure. that's, 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 you know, there's no, you, you know what it's like, man. There's no better feeling when people yeah. come to you and tell you, thank you. I love your food. Right? And there's right. no better feeling in the world. I mean, it, it's so, that's gratifying, right? And it's nothing worse than when you feel like you failed, you know? I mean, you know, because we, we obviously love this. And we love doing what we do. And sure. if we didn't, we wouldn't be doing this. I mean, there's very few guys who are in this just to make a buck and they don't care. I mean, there's a right. few guys who are like that. And okay, well, that's fine. That's a business model. But most of us got into this because this is our passion. This is what we want, want to do, you know? And right. so, right. yeah, I absolutely want to continue doing that. Yeah, okay. That leads me to my next question, John. Um, I think it's important that one, that we do things that we can to give back. Let's just say, say to give back. I don't see that a whole lot with a lot of food trucks doing a lot of that, maybe more so now, but not so much prior to the, the pandemic. And I also think that it gives us an opportunity to, when we do that, to differentiate ourselves as far as the food truck. So, you know, like my food truck here in Philly, we're, um, we're a vegan food truck. So we're all about giving back, being compassionate and helping others. But the majority of food trucks I see are mostly like, you know, they're, they're just selling burgers and fries. How, what can I sell this? But I rarely see the, the compassion component in like helping community. And I think that could be a great way for food trucks to kind of be different. Because like you said, there's a ton of taco trucks or burger trucks or this or that. But if there's some way that you can niche down and do a little something different, I think that would be, that would make you just stand out more because the food truck industry is exploding. So my question to you, John, is what do you think with the explosion of food trucks and us being like one of the only considered an essential business, what are some of the things that we can do to stand out? You know, what can one burger truck do to make themselves different from the next burger truck? Or what are you doing to make yourself different from the next burger or taco truck? Or, you know, so what are some of those things? How, did you, how do you, besides just a beautiful wrap, what else are you doing? to differentiate yourself? Well, one thing obviously is the menu, right? I mean, we, we have okay. a few very unique burgers that, that other guys don't have. Like we have a kimchi burger that, you know, I don't see any other truck doing. Um, we have a, a, a lot of varieties of burgers that people aren't doing. Like we do a pesto burger um, and we do a kimchi burger and we do a teriyaki, uh, a lot of people do teriyaki burgers, but we do a teriyaki burger with pineapple. Mm. Um, so we do, you know, obviously different types of things. Um, but, you know, and so while all burger trucks are in some sense interchangeable, they're all different, right? I mean, right. you know, just like burger restaurants. But I think what we can do um, is 
we we can we we can make uh we we can have our business reflect you know our beliefs and our personalities to some extent, right? I mean, I I obviously you don't want to get too political or too religious or whatever right, your, right. your 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 ideology. You don't you want to you don't want to wear that on your um sleeve to alienate other people, right? Like, look, I, I personally I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, right? But right. I'm not going to have a problem if a Trump supporter comes up and they want to order some food as long as they're not yelling you know, Trump 2020 <laughs> stuff. It's like, listen, man, please just leave the politics. We're, we're serving burgers again, right? Whatever. Um, I think what we can do is we can, we can, we can make it an em- emphasis to give back to the community. Like, like I said, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you can do events where you're doing fundraisers and you give 10% back or you give 5% or even, you know, five, 10% uh, back to the community, right? Um, you can do, you know, help do fundraisers for school events or, or things like that. Um, there are things you can do or, or, uh, you know, just go out of your way to try and find, uh, a segment or, or, or make a, a statement saying like, you know, for every 10 burgers we sell, we're going to give one away to somebody or always, or have a sign out saying like, if you're hungry, you know, please come to our truck. Like I'll always give away food to somebody who's hungry. If someone's short money and they're like, they're hungry and they obviously look like they need a meal. I'm going to give it to them. I'm not going to say yes. like, well, that's our price and, and you, know, awesome. you know, piss off. It's like, it's like, Hey man, you know, that's so cool. You know, I may ask them, Hey, listen, I'm really busy right now serving a line. Can you come back, you know, in, in an hour? Can you come or can you come before the, the crowd? Cause I got to do business. I mean, you know, you know, practically speaking, I have no problem. Like if a homeless person comes on, they really need some food. We get a lot of homeless people in Santa Monica where they park a lot. Um, and I got no problem feeding them, but it can be tough if you have a lot of homeless people coming up to, to order and you want people who also want to order, but they're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to do business here because there's all these homeless guys around. So I have no problem doing that saying like, but Hey, let me do my business. I'll be glad to feed you. Uh, you know, and you know, or the other thing is like, you know, you can donate, um, try and take your leftovers at the end of the night and give it somewhere. Right. Awesome. You know, like one thing I always do is we have, um, we have commissary requirements in Los Angeles and the guy who cleans my truck, Roberto, he cleans the entire truck. I mean, sanitizes everything, washes every dish for $30. I mean, wow. and if you've seen a burger truck after, oh after 12 to 18 hours of work. I mean, it looks like, it looks like there was like just imagine. a food fight everywhere. I mean, it's like there's grease and stuff everywhere. It's disgusting. But he cleans it and it looks like brand new the next day. What I always make sure I do is I always um, leave extra food out that we've cooked or, or things that we would otherwise destroy and say like, hey, Roberto, I've got, uh, I've, you know, I know you have a family. There's all this extra chicken that we cooked. We didn't, we didn't use the extra burgers. Please take it, right? Share, take it with your family. You know, things that we're going to chuck, we're going to toss or things that, you know, for example, uh, this weekend, we we're doing a brewery and we have a limited menu, but there's a lot of things on my truck that may not survive the weekend. Like I've got some sourdough that's kind of getting a little long on the tooth. It's mm-hmm. still probably good to serve, but may not make it till Monday, right? So it's like, I'll just tell them, hey, this sourdough is yours if you want to take it, right? Things like that. Or you can know that you can, I, I get my, my, um, my, uh, my coworkers, she always, they always take the food and give it to, to people who they know who need the food, right? I mean, that's, so you can always do something like that. Uh, you can awesome. repurpose the food. There's a lot of things we can do and, and, and make that, uh, you know, kind of explicit that this is what we do and we give away food or, Hey, if you come to the truck at the end of the, you know, you always just, you can always just make it a, a statement saying, you know, for the last 15 minutes of service, as we are cleaning up, okay. And we're shutting down doing the last call. If you're hungry, please come to the truck between this time and this time. We'll give you whatever we got. 
right? I mean, it doesn't cost me much to throw right. a bunch of fries in the fryer. You only be able to give away fries, but it's like if I give away, you know, three bags of fries, which is call it 15 pounds of fries, it doesn't cost me a lot of money, but it might, it might feed a lot of people. I right? just give them something oh, yeah. to eat and give you some goodwill, you know? Yeah, that can so there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do to, to be, you know, good citizens and, and stand out a little bit, you know? Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That leads me to food. I got two more things I want to talk to you about, but that leads me to the food. That leads me to probably one of the things that I rack my brain with constantly. And that's menu. I call it menu engineering, menu design, whatever you want to call it. How many items, too many items, making sure you can, uh, it, it's driving me crazy because that's also connected with food costs, food waste, and it's, it all connects together. Since you've been doing this for three years, you probably have a system down. I would love to hear your ideas about menu engineering, as I like to call it. Sure. Um, okay. So when I first started off, uh, I had the benefit of uh, being associated with a storefront. We're associated with the Fixed Burger in Silver Lake, which is a storefront. Uh, they've been in business for over 10 years. I want to say maybe 12, wow. 13 years. Okay. So they already had a, um, a good product line. So essentially, I launched the truck as an extension because my friend who owned it at the time, Paul, he had the best burgers I ever had. I'm like, listen, I'm not a burger like connoisseur in the sense of, I don't go out of my way to go find burgers. I'm not that kind of guy. But he literally had the best burgers I ever had. And I said, this is so good. We got to like expand this. So that's how I started the truck. And um, I worked for him for six months and learned everything I could about you know, the, the, the business from scratch, literally okay. knew nothing about restaurants, nothing about food. Um, I'd worked on wall street for 17 years. So I'd eaten wow. a lot of restaurants, but it sure as hell didn't know anything about, you know, anything about restaurants. Right. So, um, so I had the benefit of like learning his menu already. Right. And so I took like kind of like seven core burgers, the, the seven most popular burgers stuck them on our truck. And then I started off with that and I said, okay. And what I learned really quickly and I had one really good mentor. I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't like a mentor in the sense that he became him. He didn't come to me as a mentor, but my very first cook, Jose, he happened to be the demo guy at Restaurant Depot. So if you walk into Restaurant Depot, they, all the different guys who, have, who sell their, their products there, they hire, uh, they hire the demo guy to basically make recipes, demoing their products and giving ideas to restaurateurs like me saying, gotcha. hey, if you... If you want to learn how to make euros, here's some euro meat from this company, and then here's the rolls from this company, and and here's a sample, and this is how much it costs to make, and it gives you some really good ideas. Anyway, so Jose had the benefit of using every basically product in Restaurant Depot wow. and knowing what the good stuff was, what worked best, and he came on board my truck. He was my very first cook, and because he was just looking at picking up some extra work, but he ended up working with me for about six, eight months and taught me a lot. And he basically said. You have a good menu here, but you're only using ingredients, some of these ingredients for one item. You need to find some more ingredients that you can easily add on, uh, more items you can easily add on with the same ingredients and not adding much. So again, first thing I, I, he said, okay, he says, look, you're using pesto on one item, a burger. That's it. Using, uh, you have a pesto burger and you use pesto sauce on that. I'm going to give you an idea that will work, that you can make a grilled cheese with pesto sauce, which tastes like pizza. So we made this, so he gave me this thing. It's called the grilled cheese Jose to this day. I named it after him. And we, we, so we started using pesto for that. Okay. So now we're bringing sourdough on to go make the grilled cheese. I mean, he says, okay, now you got sourdough. We only using it for one item. 
let me show you some other things you can do with sourdough. So we started doing a turkey melt with sourdough, okay? Mm. And then we also started doing a BLT. I'm like, oh, Jesus, we have bacon, obviously. We have lettuce, we have tomato for burgers. Let's make a BLT. So we started doing BLTs um, and the, the, uh, the turkey melt and the grilled cheese, all using sourdough, right? So then we started realizing, okay, listen, now the, what's the other thing you're, you're not using a lot of? Well, you're not using a lot of... Um, you know, pepper jack cheese. You're using it for one burger. That's it, right? So we started using pepper jacks on a lot of different items. And we started saying, okay, look, we can use it on uh, different spicy items. We can use it for the turkey milk, make that spicy. We put pepper jack cheese on that. And he says, by the way, here's a great chicken sandwich you can get. You know, there's a great chicken pad you can get from Restaurant Depot. So we started making a, a, a spicy chicken sandwich. And this is before the whole Popeye's thing, you know, Chick-fil-A okay. thing blew up, you know, the chicken sandwich thing, but that ended up being a huge thing for us too, right? So that, um, so it's just trying to find different things you could, you could take and then expanding your ingredients to reach out to like five or six different things. So you weren't using, and then they only use like one ingredient. It either had to sell a lot or we got rid of it. We had to go find different things for it. Um, so that's one thing we did a lot of. We just really kind of built the menu that way. And then um, the other thing, of course, is figuring out like, what takes the longest to make? Like gotcha. for us, we have a 36 inch griddle. We have one griddle. And the thing that slows us down the most is anything that's got sourdough on there, right? So it's like, cause it just takes up more grill space. It, it, you can't cook it as fast. Um, so I know that like when we do events and bigger things where it's time sensitive, anything that's got sourdough, like the BLT, the grilled cheese, the turkey melt, that all gets taken off the menu because it's like, I can't, I can't do these things fast enough. Oh, so you take it, you that's take, all gonna get cr- off the cut. Menu. You um, actually take any, I'm sorry. I can get off the menu. Sure. I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, these we take off the menu okay. so we can stay fast, right? Gotcha. Um, you know, um, but we still have the seven burgers. We still have other options or we, or modify things and say, well, can we put these on, on the same ingredients or can we use for this, this thing, you know, can we get away with just using cheddar for all these different things or just two or three different types of cheeses instead of, or one different type of cheese or one kind of cheese for this event versus, you know, five because the more options you give the more customers are going to customize things and more combinations and the slower things going to go um so you know we, we we kind of went through all that went through the process of figuring out what is the slowest things that take us the most amount of time and and engineer our menu that way and then the other thing we do is we have a core menu we have seven burgers five non-burger options and then two sides right and there's a lot of overlap there so we, we don't okay. have to like work super hard with that but the other thing we do is we, from time to time, just to keep the menu fresh, we'll add a special that only runs for like that day or that event. Like, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll do a pulled pork sandwich. I do a pulled pork every once in a while, and then I'll pull it and say, no pulled pork. And then you gotta, you got to catch another time, and we'll have pulled pork then. Or, you know, during the wintertime, I do a, a spicy tomato soup from scratch that sells really, really well. So we do that when it's cold. We won't do that when it's hot because, you know, no one's going to care about that in the summer, but in the winter time, man, that thing sells like hotcakes. Right. So, um, you know, so we'll, we'll do different things like that. I've done, you know, a Korean barbecue, uh, short rib sandwich, you know, as a special item. Sometimes we'll do loaded fries, carne asada fries, pulled pork fries. I can, you know, do th- different things to kind of, to change up the menu, but still keep a, a core menu, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, you're vegan. So we actually, came up with a really good vegan, uh, 100% vegan burger. We're using vegan cheddar, vegan bacon, nice. vegan thousand, and uh, the Beyond Patty, and even a vegan bun. And, awesome. you know, and that's, 
you know, so we'll pull that one out from time to time too. And we also have the Beyond Burger as an option, but every once in a while you got someone who's like, dude, I want to eat full vegan, you know? And so I go, well, we can't use right. the brioche one because theoretically that's got eggs in it. So yes. that's not vegan. Can't do that. Um, you know, but we do, we'll mix things up and we'll, you know, and, and we'll make something, you know, vegan centric sometimes, you know, we know depending on the, the audience. And uh, so that's, that's, you know, again, so we kind of build a menu with a lot of overlap using those ingredients over three or four different items. Um, and we try and, uh, and we try and mix up, you know, the menu and, and have specials from time to time where we know we'll use this much and we won't throw too much away or throw anything away because we're going to sell out of this. We'll just make a limited quantity and it'll help drive traffic, that sort of stuff. Okay. Here's a question for you, um, John. So I know you said you have about, you have seven different, different burgers. I'm curious, how do you deal with um, customers saying, um, when you have a line and customers wanting to customize certain burgers, which can slow things up? Do you do a lot of customization or is it like, it is what it is. If you want it, fine. Or just move on to the next burger. Does that, can that slow things down? How have you dealt with that part of it? Sure. Um, it depends on the, on, on the, the stop or the event. Okay. So for example, if it's a, it's a, if it's an important stop where you have to crank things out, like in five minutes or less or five, you know, 10 minutes tops, right. And you've got to have a big line of people and it's a captive audience. I'll cut down the menu instead of seven burgers, we'll have three. And what I'll do is for, we have an event menu where it's like, we have three burgers. They all use cheddar and we only use cheddar cheese for everything. It's like, there's nothing that has pepper Jack, Jack, American, Swiss, that's all taken off. So we just stick with three burgers and two are bacon burgers. And you know, one's like a Western bacon burger. One's a, like an in and out plus bacon on steroids. And the other one's a classic burger with no bacon. Right. We've got three burgers. And then what I'll do is I'll do the exact same setup, which is mayo, lettuce, tomato, onion, and I'll say, offer oh, the same thing, but a chicken sandwich, a grilled chicken sandwich, gotcha. or a turkey burger, right? Same thing, exactly the same thing. So the amount of customization they can do is like, well, you can you can take you can take off the bacon, you can add bacon, you can take off you know you can take off lettuce, tomato, onion, or mayo, that sort of stuff. So it's like just deletions basically, um, gotcha. and, and you know all off the beyond. So things like that, I'll, I'll do. Um, so uh, you know that. So we cut down the menu a lot when it comes to to um big events the other thing we also tell people is that uh please understand it's a menu it's not an ingredient board so it's not like just because we have this we can like all of a sudden construct something for you it's not how it works um and of course this works because it's a captive audience like i'm not going to pick up i always as a businessman i look at this and say if i'm not going to get i pick up a, a a substantial or noticeable pickup in sales by offering these items, I'm not going to offer them because I'm going to get the same amount of sales, the same amount of customers, whether I offer it or not. So why am I going to kill myself to do that? You know, right. so I get a, you know, so I get one guy who's happy. I, I, you know, yes, I'd like to make that person happy, but I got to make everybody else happy too. So, you know, not the, the other people waiting 15 minutes for the food are not going to be happy because the one guy wanted his burger this way. That's not going to work. So it's like, Hey man, sorry, please don't understand what, you catch us on another day. We'll have the full menu. We can be a lot more flexible today. This is all we're serving. I'm sorry, you know, and most people are, are cool with it. They get it, you know, um, gotcha. Gotcha. So that's, that's what, that's, that's, that's what we do. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. One, one more question for you about the, uh, about uh, the menu and this goes to um, food costs. I don't want to break down percentages or anything like that. I want to, I want to be more specific about condiments, you know, sure. 
you know, before I got into the food truck, I mean, food truck business, you know, I would go into a restaurant, I would get like a cup of coffee and just grab a handful of, I don't know, creamers or sugars or, or whatever, whatever I was using. I seen a question that was very interesting. And my question to you, John, since you've been in this for three years, do you limit the amount of, I don't know, or do you give out the individual packets of uh, mayo or relish or wh whatever? Or when people say, can you add an extra this or extra that, do you charge for that? Or do you see that just as a service? And if you don't charge for it, how do you compensate your bottom line or your food costs if you're just giving it away? Okay. Um, so free COVID, we were just at big events we would, or anything. We would just put out uh, containers saying, you know, here's ketchup packets and right. here's, uh, you, you know, here's utensils, here's straws, that sort of stuff. They would just help themselves. Because we're a burger truck, our condiments were primarily just ketchup, you know, for, for fries. That was basically what everybody wanted. Ketchup, napkins, uh, you know, straws maybe for the, for the drinks. That, that's, that was basically it. After COVID, and, you know, we have the occasional um, – uh, request for a ranch or barbecue or a thousand on the side. And that wasn't a big deal. We would, we would hand those out. We would never put that stuff out because the real ranch would just go. Now, obviously you also have this, um, you have this copy pattern effect. You get monkey see monkey do. So one guy wants ranch and the next 10 guys want ranch. Right. So, you know, we just kind of factor as part of our thing as you know, and, and right now one thing that is kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the COVID era, we can't put that stuff out anymore by the health department, we have to give it out. So we just give out, you know, pre-portioned amounts. Like, you know, here's a one and a half uh, ounce cup of ketchup and, you know, and here's some napkins. And if, and if people say, I can't get ketchup. Say, hey, we put one in there. Do you want another one? And we'll just ask them and give them, give them that. Um, most of, so we're, we've been lucky that we don't have a lot of expenses with that. That's, that's, that adds up. It's really more kind of the brain damage factor in terms of if we're not prepped for it, and we don't have, we don't anticipate it. And all of a sudden we got um, 20, 30 people who want ranch. And we did, we, we have to like, you know, just start breaking in all the ramekins and start and start putting in the, the sauce in, in there. That's kind of a pain. So we've learned over the course of time to like be prepared and, and just be able to give it out. But it's not a huge amount, but like I said, uh, but yeah, it does, it does add up. I don't charge extra for it. Okay. Unless it's unreasonable. Like if someone says they want 10 ranch, I'm like, come on, man, do you really need 10 ranch? You know? Um, you know, or if you need, you really need a fistful of like, you know, napkins. There's a guy at a festival who grabbed literally a fistful of napkins. And I remember I just, I was in a really snarky mood that day. So I yelled at the window. I'm just like, I'm just like, Hey buddy, are you going to use it to wipe your face? You're going to wipe your ass when you go to the, to the bathroom. And you know, I just, I just, I just, I just lost it at that point. I'm just like, you know, I'm like, you didn't even buy anything from my truck. You just grabbed like literally half the napkins out of my container. You know, you gotta be kidding me. You know? Yeah, yeah. that's so, the kind of stuff I'm wondering. Yeah. I want to know how you handle that. Are you just adding that into your food costs ahead of time? Especially just putting, I've noticed by just putting stuff out, people will just grab a handful of napkins or grab three or four yeah. forks or spoons or you're like, and then before you know it, you know, they, like you said, these, they add up. So are you adding that to your food costs or is, is that you just something? Yeah, yeah I, I, I added to my food just simply because I think the customers will will um I, I you have more downside by like you know charging for it. I mean, listen, I, sure. I know some trucks will charge an extra fifty cents or something like that for or a quarter for like extra sauce, and I get that, right? And you know, I get annoyed with it if I'm going to like 
you know, Taco Bell or something. And I say like, I want, you know, 10 hot sauce. They're like, well, we'll give you five and it's 25, 10 cents each after that. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Whatever. Right. So I get annoyed with it too. So I don't want to do that, but you know, I, I, when people ask for a ton, it's just like, do you really need that many? I mean, you know, I, I won't, I, whatever. I mean, it's just, I just kind of add to it, but most people are reasonable. Every once in a while you have an exception where someone just wants every sauce on your truck known to man. I mean, I get, you know, I just tell people like when people say, well, do you have any dipping sauces for the fries? I'm like, well, we don't really have dipping sauces. Can you give me an idea what you like? And I'll tell you whether we got it or not. You know, I do that as opposed to, you know, well, we got thousand, we've got spicy barbecue, we've got barbecue, we've got pesto. I was like, no, I don't want to list off every condiment we got on the truck because they're like, I want one of everything, you know? Like, you know, listen, man, right. Chick-fil-A will be nice to you about that, you know, but I'm not Chick-fil-A, you know? Right, I got you, I got you. Okay, John, as as we um, so, wrap this up, as we wrap yeah. this up, John, I, I, want, I want to, to um, and you're a guy that gives a lot of advice. So I would love to hear three things, three pieces of advice that you would give to any like new food trucker that's universal, regardless if, if you're in LA or if you're in Philly or New York or in the Midwest somewhere, three things that you would say, make sure you look at these things while you're you know, going on this um, food truck journey. Yeah. Um... Okay, so the first thing I would say is, before you start your truck, I mean, like, you know, I know everyone's interested in jumping the gun and saying, like, I, I, you know, I need to get this, this, and this. Have a business plan. Sit down and, and list everything you're going to need, and do your research. Ask a, a million questions. I mean, understand, like, first and foremost, what are the licensing requirements? Okay, food trucks are, you know, a big gray area in a lot of cities. I mean, because they weren't the laws weren't written for food trucks are written for brick and mortars. So a lot of the stuff that, you know, they're trying to figure out with food trucks may or, you know, the, the, the brick and mortar laws may or may not, you know, uh, apply. So you need to figure out like what licenses you need, what the health inspection requires. I mean, everything you need to know just from, just before you even purchase one piece of equipment, you got to right. know exactly what you're getting yourself into and figure out how much that's all going to cost. The second thing I would say is, uh, you know, uh, the second piece of advice, consider um, all the hidden costs of maintenance of the truck. Um, you know, if you have a truck, you're going to figure out really, really quickly that these things have numerous maintenance issues all the time. And we're not talking about like massive breakdowns, like an engine or a, a transmission, both of which I've had replaced my truck, by the way, I've had wow. to replace my entire truck. I blew out two engines. I blown through <laughs> two transmissions three, in three I, years. In three years. Oh my God. Blown, I have a new truck, which I had to, you know, then, then, so my old truck, and the, the reason this doesn't phase me as much is because I leased my truck. I basically, I went to a commissary and said, listen, and they also leased trucks. I'm like, listen, um, I want to lease a truck and, you know, what, what are the terms? And, and basically, they took care of everything. They take care of every, um, you know, maintenance issue, you know, save things like transmissions and engines, if it's your fault, right? If it's not mm -hmm. my fault and it was just the truck's old, and then they're reasonable. They'll, they'll, they'll deal with that, right? But, like, not just things like that, but you're going to have things like, you know, my fryer, I light it, but it doesn't, you know, some of the burners don't go on immediately. I have to like hand light them. So something's wrong there. So you have to like get that looked at, right? Because you don't want your fryer to like light on 50%, you know, run at 50% when you've got a big event, you, your fryer just can't heat up fast enough, you know? So things like that. Gotcha. Or <clears throat> refrigeration units, <laughs> compressors for cold air, um, all sorts of stuff. Even things like your gray water tank. Like we have a, a tank that you know drains all our ice drains out into right well that thing was clogged the other day because i happened to like i was like 
why is there no water coming out? And we've got like a pool of melted ice in here. And of course, you know, things like that, you know, little, little things that you, you're constantly going to be dealing with little things like that. So I would say that's the second piece of fight. Okay. Understand what you're getting yourself in. Ask, understand all the hidden costs. Okay. Number three, um, understand it's going to take time to build a brand. And, and, and as such, you need to have enough money uh, to understand the difference between startup costs and, you know, the amount of money you're going to need for the first two years, because it may only cost you, you can start with as little as $10,000 right. and probably start and, and rent a truck, get into a commissary and you can start making money right away. Problem is you're not going to make money right away. Cause unless you're in a market where they love you on social media, you're such a small town, you're the only thing in town and everyone's going to like, and everyone loves food trucks and want to try it. Um, you're just not going to have business right out of the gate. It's just not going to happen. For us, it took about 18 months to 24 months to really build our brand. The first year, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way where, um, you know, I thought, oh, it'll be, it'll be fast. We'll, we'll just park here and we'll, we'll get these events and, and people will call. And people were calling us and saying, hey, I heard about your food truck. I want to book you. And then I, I, I realized real quickly that, wait a second, I'm a brand new truck. There's no reason they should know anything about me. I mean, my social media is not that big. My presence isn't that big. Mm-hmm. We haven't had anything really. All the other established trucks passed on this event because they knew better, and they were, you know, they were going to new trucks like me, and, and we fall for the banana of the tailpipe, you know, like in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, so understand it's going to be it's going to take you some time to build your brand, and um, so you need to have enough money to survive that first eighteen to twenty-four months, or however long it takes in your market. In LA, it's eighteen to twenty-four months, and be able to lose money. So for me, it was like. I probably need to, I sunk about 75 to a hundred thousand dollars into this thing to survive for the first, you know, 18 to 24 months. And after that, then it kind of like, after you, you became legitimized, it's like all of a sudden, then you started seeing the other trucks that are more established. Started like, oh, hey, we know you're real. We know you can handle this. Now I'm going to show you these events and then, you know, but it won't, it won't happen overnight. So a lot of trucks I find run out of money real quick because mm. they don't realize how much it costs to run these things. And, and, uh, uh, um, and there's a lot of, gonna be a lot of days you're making two, 300 bucks. You're not going to be hitting your, you know, my fixed costs are 500 bucks a shift. So, you know, if I, 500 bucks, I made, I just break even. That's it. Because my, you know, my truck costs $2,500 a month to rent, to lease. There's another $800 to park in the commissary. Then that's only because I get a, a discount from 1200 bucks because, you know, they own the truck. Right. But the truck I brought into the comp it's twelve hundred bucks a month, bucks a day for propane, depending on how much you're 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 uh, you're running and how long you're running. Gas, I get maybe four to five miles a gallon on my truck, so uh, forty gallon tank, I can go maybe two hundred miles. You know, two hundred miles. That's it. I mean, you know, that's 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 uh, that's a hundred bucks, man. Yeah, no, uh, I'm adding it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, it adds up, and then you got labor and food costs are. 25%, right? Labor is probably another 25%. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, it adds up, man. Your, your profit margin isn't being 15% most days, you know, 20%. If you're lucky and the 500 is a break even and, you know, and it's not until you start making like $1,000, $1,200, $2,000 in a shift, then you're starting to make some real money. Then you got some good margins, but yeah, those, those aren't coming back for a while. I mean, the, the events were great when we were making money, but yes. Uh, so those three things I would say, First of all, 
you know, uh, you know, just, yeah. I mean, those, those three things, I would say those, those are the most important things. And, and people underestimate that stuff all the time, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Well, John, it's been a pleasure. I think I've learned a lot. I've taken a, a bunch of notes because um, I'm just getting into this food truck business myself. You know, hopefully next month we'll be hitting the street. And um, so I took all these notes. I appreciate what, um, the conversation. I appreciate all your posting that you do. I've learned a lot from there too. So um, thanks a lot. Bye.